I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Eric Pham. And I'm Olivia Clement, and this is Flyover Film Country, a podcast about movies from the perspectives of three people who live in flyover country. Today we are beginning our series on the films of Arkansan director Jeff Nichols with his debut, Shotgun Stories. And before we do that, I wanted to open the floor up to the three of us um, regarding Wonder Woman 1984, which was our first layover episode. Um, I feel like I feel like I like the way that the episode turned out. Um, mm-hmm. I like the concept, and I'm excited to do more of those follow ups with you guys, um, or those layover episodes with you guys. But as since we recorded that episode. Have your thoughts on the movie changed at all? I think uh, the movie has actually gotten worse in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. The more I talk about it, like I've talked about it with some people I work with, and the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, it's it's worse. It's actually worse. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. And I, I went back and rewatched Wonder Woman, the first one, actually, and it's like night and day, like mm-hmm. the the quality of movie. Um, between the first one and the second one, it's kind of it's kind of jarring. Um, yeah, I listened to <clears throat> excuse me, I listened to Blank Check with Griffin and David did a episode on it, and I listened to it while I was raking leaves today. And Griffin uh, Griffin Newman makes some really good points that made me not not. I think if if it came down to it like my arbitrary rating, which means nothing in the world uh, for the movie wouldn't have shifted, but he made some really good points as far as what Patty Jenkins was like trying to do. And, and and that's something that I wanted to record or have on record for the three of us is that I think we, we could have talked a little bit more about what did work. And I thought that like Pedro Pascal's performance was amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, And maybe we did. Um, I feel but, like we did yeah. hit on that. We did. We yeah. did. Yeah. So anyway, like yeah. the ideas of greed, the theme of greed. Um, I think I think that we focused a lot on the misfire and the mis- yeah. the misexecution and and I don't know. I was like listening to someone who loved the idea behind it made me you know rethink the way that I thought about the idea behind it, but I still believe that the execution was just really bad so anyway yeah it's always no. fun talking about bad movies yeah. <laughs> more fun than watching them eric how uh, did it feel to watch a bad movie <laughs> i don't enjoy it but talking about it uh, definitely made up for the experience so there you go just that. <laughs> um so i did watch soul and oh man the the New York Knicks joke was that so joke good <laughs> spoilers was so good Yep. It's so funny. I man, Soul is such a good movie. Mm-hmm. The more I think about it, the better it gets. It was I need to go back and rewatch Inside Out because I I just I didn't I didn't enjoy or I didn't love Inside Out whenever I first saw it and I kind of in my mind view Soul as being a superior movie, but some other people that I've like read and listened to have said that Inside Out is superior, so I didn't know if y'all had thoughts about that either. Since I know we all love Pixar movies. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Inside Out since it was released in theaters, um, which I think was 2015, maybe. And I went and saw it with one of my 
high school best friends and we we cried while watching it while mm-hmm. while watching inside out um but i haven't seen it since so i, I don't want to sit here and debate whether it's superior to soul or f- which one's better um, sure yeah i think they're they're both hitting on similar um not necessarily like i think soul is a little more existential than inside out mm-hmm. but i think that they are kind of in the same ballpark, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So. Eric, do you have any thoughts on that? I haven't got a chance to see Soul yet, but um, everything I've been hearing about it is is that it's a it's a great movie. I am a big fan of Inside Out, um, so it'll be interesting when I do watch Soul. Nice, nice. Um, what was the first movie you guys watched this year? This episode will be releasing on January sixteenth, and we're recording this on the third. Uh, the first film I watched this year is the film we're going to talk about, which is Shotgun Stories. Nice. So, okay. So that was nice. the first watch of the year, and I was like, "We're we're starting off this year amazing!" Like with a, with a literal bang. With a literal bang. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about like about this movie in general, but also <laughs> we'll come back to the uh, the pun y'all just made. <laughs> <laughs> I Eric, watched. I watched uh, one of my most coveted uh, DVDs in my collection that I, wa- I try to watch every year is uh, the live concert of Fleetwood Mac's The Dance. Ooh. Their performance and at, uh, I think, Warner Brothers Studio. Um, they did a live concert. And it's like one of the best live concerts I've ever seen, and I try in, to watch it every year. In front of an audience? Yes, in front of an audience. Cool. All, is it all the, same, it's all the same concert that like, wasn't edited together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, it's gotcha. all same concert. Um, pretty phenomenal. Uh, I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan. If you didn't know, so I did not know that about. I don't you. think. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody could have guessed that. But now you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what's that, that, was my, uh, that was my first movie that I watched this year. What's your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Oh, that's a hard one. I'm probably gonna have to go with Silver Springs. Oh, or okay. the chain. Silver Springs is a really good song. It's probably one of the best songs of all time. Yeah, I'll be honest. The chain is the only one I know. Yeah, that's you, other than other than out. other than you, a couple. Other I than was like, I know you know more than I've never heard chain. Silver Springs. I'm I'm it, it is a is a, a great song with some great lyrics. Cool. I'll check. What it was out. your What was your movie, Isaac? Mine was kind of uh, unexpected, but Jess uh, Jess and I were trying to agree on something to watch. And she said the curious case of Benjamin button has been in my, on my list for a while. And I was like, okay, we could watch that. Like she proposed it because I've been trying to watch through Fincher's movies. And I think I only have to watch panic room and alien three now, Mm. maybe another one. I've seen almost all of his other movies. Um, brag. Yeah. It was like underrated. (laughs) Wait, what'd you, what'd you say? I said brag. I, I'm just, I'm just saying like the directors finishing out directors, you know, complete filmographies is going to be a goal of mine this year. So nice. we'll see how okay. it goes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, Benjamin Button's like the thing that I kept thinking about when I was watching is like, you've seen other versions of this movie that are not as good. If that makes sense. The like, yeah, it's like the, how did I, how did you meet dad? And it's like describing 
you know, her dad yeah, to him on her deathbed. They should do a TV show about bed. that. Who? They should do a TV show about that. Kind yeah. of like how they met <laughs> their mother. What? Sorry. Um, another thing that I watched yesterday, uh, speaking of Kristen Milioti, um, <laughs> was the the satire death to 2020 that the producer of director of black mirror, black mirror yeah. helped create. Oh. It was pretty funny. It's like, it's worth watching. Isn't Samuel Jackson in that too? Yeah. He's like one of the main, like the, the, he's the uh, chief editor of the New Yorker Lee. <laughs> nice. Like everything is fictional, but Kristen Milioti plays a suburbanite soccer mom who buys into a bunch of cons- uh, alt-right conspiracy theories. Oh my it's really sense. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. All yeah. right, I'll check that out. Yeah. That's funny. I think we should uh, jump into this episode. I was going to yeah. provide a quick um, update, or not update, but kind of overview on why we selected Jeff Nichols as a director. Um, he's from Little Rock. He grew up in Little Rock, and he's since directed five feature-length films, and a podcast about Hank the Cowdog. Did y'all ever read Hank the Cowdog? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Awesome. I love Hank the Cowdog. I read at least 50, if not more. Um, I'm pretty sure they're like 60 or 70. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Okay, yeah, Yeah. definitely read those. Okay. We're, oh, we should we should maybe listen to the Hank the Cowdog podcast and do a layover episode on it after <laughs> Loving comes out. <laughs> yes. But anyway, okay. Jeff Nichols is not, not the only, but one of the most prominent directors, specifically not actor, but a director and in, in storyteller that's come out of um, Flyover Country generally broadly speaking um but i've got to see him live once and i've attended a couple like webinar things about him and we felt that he was a really good candidate for this show so he's directed five movies the one we're going to talk about today shotgun stories take shelter starring michael shane and jessica chastain mud starring matthew mcconaughey reese witherspoon and ty sheridan um, and Michael Shannon also makes an appearance in that um, Midnight Special, starring Michael Shannon, and uh, oh, what is his name? Uh, Jaden Martell, um, who's in Knives Out and It. He's Bill in It, um, yeah. the young version, mm-hmm. and Loving, starring Ruth Naga and um, Joel Edgerton. So. But Shotgun Stories is his first, so we're going to jump into that one. It was Olivia's first movie that she watched this first year. movie of 2021. And I don't really know where to start with this, about, other than opening it up to you guys. Let's do a first brief impressions. Recap. Synopsis. Yeah. Synopsis. Yeah. A little synopsis. Okay. All right. So I'll just read what IMDb has for it. That way it's concise. <laughs> uh, so Shotgun Stories tracks a few that erupts between two sets of half-brothers following the death of their father. It's set against the cotton fields and back roads of southeast Arkansas, and these brothers discover the links to which they will go to protect their families. Do you guys feel like that's a fair synopsis? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that 
I, I mean, I really enjoyed this movie. I wasn't really sure what to expect, and I didn't really know what it was about until I watched it. Um, but I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, Eric, what are, your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I had the same feeling. My, my expectations weren't um, super high um, for the movie, just because, uh, as we know, like mo- a lot of directors, their, their first movies are usually misses more than hits. So I didn't have very high expectations for the movie. And um, maybe that's why I enjoyed the movie so much. Um, I loved all the themes of the movie, the settings, definitely in Arkansas and just the whole Arkansas feel of the movie as with all of Jeff Nichols movies. Um, That's, that's what I enjoyed most about the movie. I completely agree. The thing that did surprise me the most about shotgun stories is that it does, it works really well. Um, I watched it a second time with Nichols commentary and took a bunch of notes and most of it was trivia, but some of it was really interesting insight into the, the story itself and the creation of the movie. But the, the thing that, that strikes me the most after watching, after watching it and after, and knowing like I had seen mud midnight special and take shelter before viewing shotgun stories. So it's kind of like you see this later work, you see, then you come back and see like the very first Mm -hmm. shot at a feature. And it, I, I, the word that I keep coming back to with Nichols is um, patience because there's a, there's, there's this entire dynamic that I don't understand about when you're shooting a movie um, you have to have a director brings a performance out of a, an actor. Um, and every performance in this movie is just really good. Mm-hmm. Is it's right. understated. Um, the every, every, I'm trying to remember cast member, except shampoo who is he's my favorite character. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Why am I not surprised by that? (laughs) (laughs) Shampoo was this guy that Nichols met at a party and he looked at this party exactly the way he does in the movie, minus like the bandages and stuff. Uh, He talked the same way. He had such as such as such a charisma that Nichols Nichols said, Oh, you have to be in my movie. Like I know this role, the specific role that you're going to, that you should play. But all the, and my main point was that all the other actors, like they had acting training. They went to school. Um, the, the actors who played the Hayes brothers went to school with Nichols. Um, and so I was just very impressed by the, the steady deliberation, which you see in the final product of the movie. And then also how sincere every performance is and how a lot of them were just really long takes with the camera, just like, so you're soaking up Shannon or uh, Doug Ligon who plays boy. Um, those are the two that come to mind of like, he's, he's really skillfully drawing these performances out of his, his actors. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and, I mean, obviously, most people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's Michael Shannon, or at least recognize his face. Um, but the rest of the cast who I've, I, I looked at their 
you know their credits on IMDb who some of them have have shown up in maybe more prominent films or shows but for the most part they don't have many big names to the to their uh acting credit but they were fantastic it it really was a great cast all the performances were were great it felt like all of these people grew up in some small town in arkansas um we all knew a shampoo oh oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that one guy who who doesn't seem like he's always in the right state of mind but is the smartest guy in town i love i love that like you you meet shampoo for the first time as a who who it's son boy and kid Kid. so kids waiting to pick up his girlfriend and shampoo (laughs) drives up and like the like stops abruptly and his head kind of rocks back and forth and he has the bandage (laughs) under his eyeglasses uh just really iconic um but yes we all knew we all knew a shampoo uh olivia you said like as far as like arkansas that was like one of the main things i wanted to talk about um and at least touch on so None of us grew up in Southeast Arkansas. Um, I talked none to. Us, sorry, none of us really grew up in a small town. Like I, yes, like not, the, not my like hometown. This. I think that's an important. Yeah, to clarify. yeah. Right. My hometown in in Oklahoma, like the town I was born in and lived in until I was about fifteen, before moving to Arkansas, um, was probably the smallest town I've ever lived in, and even then, it was a bigger town compared to other towns. Like this was filmed in England, Arkansas. Yeah. Yes, so yes. it was filmed in uh, Keogh, England, and Scott, and kind of like okay. just kind of. I think that's a triangle. Yeah, kind of there. I looked it up. Yeah, yeah. I looked up those places, and they're all real close to each other um, on the east side of of southeast side of of Little Rock. But yeah, they like the town I, I'm from originally was still bigger than all of those towns. So mm-hmm. I mean. We had a we had a Walmart and actual like restaurants, not like all right, let's go get one diner, yeah, yeah, or or even there's a lot of surrounding areas in Oklahoma where the biggest restaurant is the gas station. That's crazy. Yes, no, and I did not have that experience. I grew up in Little Rock, um, within the city limits, and not in any of the kind of more rural communities outside of little rock and eric you grew up in fort smith kind of like in in the city right yeah um but i i do appreciate a lot of the the small town vibes and and things that are going out going on throughout throughout the movie like because uh, one of the reoccurring things that i relate to a lot and i appreciate that i see that I saw in the movie is is the banter back and forth between everybody about like Arkansas sports and like if you're if you're from Arkansas you you get into an argument about Arkansas sports at least like, once <laughs> a week so I, I like how that was in there because that's that's pretty accurate for Arkansas. Did you did y'all notice about how he so the reason that they I need to I need to pull this up really quick but the reason that Scotty Pimpin is not mentioned in that one scene is because Nichols was, when he wrote that scene, he was only thinking about University of Arkansas players. Mm, Okay. Uh, And so he's like, uh, yeah, so I just saw Corliss Williamson, who coached at UCA. Yeah, Sidney Moncrief. And uh, 
And but but it's funny because in the commentary, did either of you watch or listen to the commentary? No, I did not. I didn't okay. get a chance to. Yeah, y'all were like, Isaac's doing that. He's a nerd. Like, we'll just let him do that. Uh, yeah, let him do that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the commentary, he's like, uh, a lot of people. He said when I was writing this scene, I was talking about University of Arkansas players. Um, a lot of people say that no, you're wrong. Like Pippin from arkansas he's like he didn't go to arkansas he went to and then he couldn't remember like where he went to school and on the commentary he said he went to another college and i was like he went to uca and so <laughs> i was like oh it's an insult to fellow alumni scotty bears. pippen yeah um we, the knives came out for a second but uh, <laughs> they uh we put them back in so which to nickel's credit as someone who did not was not born in arkansas and then later moved to arkansas that's all anyone talks about is Arkansas sports. It's Arkansas football, Arkansas basketball, and Arkansas baseball. Although Arkansas fans do love to throw in how good they are at track and field, which they are really good. <laughs> to their credit, they are really good. Yep. Uh, we got a or wait. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. I like had a total total brain fart there. So, but uh, but yeah. So anyway. 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 What y'all, what y'all think about the one of the early scenes in the movie when uh, Michael Shannon's character shows up at his dad's funeral? Yes, that's the scene that kind of sets everything. That, in yeah, right. Um, I is by then you kind of understand what's going on. Um, I think that was a, I, I mean, it was a good scene. It was like, it was well done. They, they kind of capture this, the tension between the Hayes brothers. Um, and it's, and that, that's, that's one of the things that impresses me most about Nichols is because he kind of, obviously this movie, I would, I would assume a lot more than mud, even though, out of the other movies that he's done, Mud is also set in Arkansas and kind of has a similar evocation of what it's like to like all the shots and shotgun stories of like the the hail or the bay <laughs> hay being bailed. Oh my gosh, I'm like losing it. The hay being bailed and the cotton being picked, like that stuff that you see driving from one city to right. another in Arkansas, yeah. even if it's off the interstate. Um, and definitely off of like a state highway. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just, he's writing what he knows in that scene of the conflict uh, between, between his half brothers is, is really effective and sets everything into motion. It's the first, it was a second scene where you're realizing, oh, something's like not right. Yeah. And, it, and now it, I realize it's, that they're half brothers. Because the first scene when you realize something's not right is when the, uh, their mom comes and he just says, she says your dad's dead. And she walks away. There is no affection shown. She's not going to the funeral. She's not she going to the funeral. It's clear they haven't talked in a long time. But, mm-hmm. but that scene is great because it's kind of like, okay, their dad died. They're not friendly with their mom. Their mom and dad were not married. What is going on? Because they're acting so strange. Mm-hmm. Those, t- those two scenes, those two kind of like inciting moments in the story are really, really good. I, I agree. Um, 
my thoughts with that scene i i wrote down my like i as i was watching the movie i wrote down my thoughts so i wouldn't forget um but with that that scene in particular i wrote down like small towns does not mean a simple existences mm-hmm. and and i think often people kind of look at anyone from a small town anyone who has kind of a a country or hick accent as being simple um mm-hmm. which means stupid or or like they don't have anything going on because they live in a small town and they don't have the troubles of big city or whatever um but clearly there's a lot of complicated and um messy dynamics and even just within this these few relationships we see um death and funerals bring up complicated and difficult feelings and emotions for everyone um and i think that it's interesting like i I love whenever you walk in on like the the shot of the funeral and the preacher is talking about how wonderful of a man their father was he was a god-fearing man all these Mm -hmm. things and son boy and kid show up and son is like he was a terrible man he left us to kind of fend for ourselves um and i think that really shows you kind of the the two sides to every story type of thing um and so I just feel like funerals really bring out some difficult things for for us that we don't want to talk about. Like we, whenever someone dies, it's like rude to say something mean about that person. Which is one reason that scene is so effective because you're yeah. like you're you're already kind of on edge because it's a it's a moment of uh you know sobriety and you're like mm-hmm. somber. And and then it's like, oh shoot, they're gonna do that here. Like they yeah. must have really hated. Yeah, when Michael Shannon like takes the stage, I'm like, oh, surely he's not gonna go there. Then like five minutes later, like, oh yeah, he went there. Yeah, and, <laughs> one, and yeah, like our experiences of one person can be vastly different uh, compared to the experiences other people have of that person. And clearly, and we, I mean, obviously, we never meet the father. We have no idea what he was actually like. Um, but clearly like one set of the Hayes brothers had a very, very different, um, and just a very different experience of their father than the other set of Hayes brothers. That's a great point. And that's something that in the commentary, Nichols says, if you, he said, we didn't, we didn't spend a lot of money on like, um, costumes or anything like that. But he said, one thing that I did make sure to include was the uh the other side of the hayes family the one in which they're in conflict with are dressed just a little bit nicer doesn't mean they're Uh like completely like so like exorbitantly more wealthy or anything like that but it's just little cues in the way that they walk and carry themselves that they've had just a little bit better better of a life growing up than right son and kid and boy well and at one point with the with the hayes brothers that actually were close with their father one of them mentions to the other like 
because they're trying to fix the John Deere tractor or whatever, and, and one of them can't get it, and the other one goes, what are they teaching you at that fancy college or something like that? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so clearly at least one of the Hayes brothers is in college. It doesn't look like the, the trio that we kind of see um, follow. It, they probably didn't. Um, I also wondered what college was he going to? I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking either A State or Redneck Tech. Nice. Or, wow. We're going uh, there. We're going there. Sorry. University of Arkansas, Arkansas Monticello. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's probably, Isn't that's there probably another one down there, like Southern Arkansas. There, uh, yeah. Is, Southern is Arkansas that a thing? University no. is at Magnolia or is in Magnolia. Oh. Um, Ready Set Podcast has prices to fit any budget, options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. They make it super easy to create your own podcast and they can help you record, edit, and publish. If you have a podcast idea, they'll give you a free consultation if you reach out to them on their website or social media. Their website is www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Probably, Isn't that's there probably another one down there, like Southern Arkansas? There, uh, that, yeah, Southern is Arkansas that a thing? University is at Magnolia or is in Magnolia. Oh, um, but that's that's southwest, that's not southeast. Okay. Um, anyway, I think Monticello was like kind of in the south, so but oh, this is the thing that I when I had that brain fart. It was probably because of the thing that was so funny in the script and like the hardest I laughed in the movie. But when their uh, boy is teaching, is coaching the two kids and kids out there with them and he's trying to make him play defense in his boots. And then they're like, whatever, let's take a break. And then they walk off and they're talking about the best performances in movies by athletes. (laughs) And he said, Charles Barkley had a voiceover and Bible goes West. And then, Apparently that it, that's not true. And Jeff Nichols said he died laughing like behind the camera whenever he said that because Doug Ligon just like pulled that out of his butt. Like he <laughs> he was like whatever. I, I'm just riffing. Like he didn't. Nichols didn't write that joke. But uh, did y'all catch that? Like yeah, yeah. Charles yeah. Barkley. Yeah. He's like yeah. He just like says it so matter of factly. He said it so matter of factly that I I went on a like a Google hunt to try to see if there was any legitimacy <laughs> to that. There was not. <laughs> so crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, back to the funeral scene. Doctor Merle Allison Johnson was the uh, preacher. I think he was the the reverend of Nichols' grandparents' church. And so he called him and said, hey, would you be willing to do this scene? Um, and he set it up and he helped him like rewrite the script. And that point where the reverend says he stops son before he starts talking and then kind of like defers to the mom. And then the mom says, okay, let him speak. He said, that's like a very formal and hard rule that like, if if a funeral gets interrupted like that, the custom is that you're supposed to defer to the the loved one of whoever's passed if anyone shows up and wants to say something like that or like start a squabble. Like he kind he could kind of tell that that was happening. Yeah. And Doctor Johnson had actually officiated a funeral wherein something like that had happened. Oh wow! Um, so it's just wow. like a really interesting 
tidbit that he was like, it, like the commentary was so great because it was clear that this is this is Nichols' first feature, but how equipped he was to like find really effective B-roll footage like, that I described earlier depicting Arkansas and then like working with the Reverend on this kind of very quick scene that can come and go without paying attention to it, but it, it really makes the movie what it is. Um, so I don't know. I just really impressed. Well, and it feels like, like it feels like Arkansas is very much like, like it feels like this could be a documentary almost. Mm -hmm. And it's almost shot in a way that it, that's kind of how it feels. Um, what, I just feel like there are very, uh, very rarely is a movie one set in Arkansas, two depicting small towns like this. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think about like this is a show on Netflix, but Ozark is set in Missouri. It's set in Ozark, Missouri, right? And it like I know people who are from Ozark. I was in a wedding the summer that came out and met some people who were born and raised there and they were like that's i mean sure drugs are a big deal here. like happen but happen anywhere but it's so over the top and not at all like what Ozark it's is like yeah mm-hmm. and and i think that that often happens in depictions of small towns and flyover country it's kind of over the top fantastical whereas this very much feels like i mean this could this is, is something that could easily happen in, in any small town in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Texas, you know, kind of these look over places that no one really cares about. Yeah. I mean, the the place where it where the story takes place feels like a one stoplight sort of town. Yeah. And but at the same time, like you're in it and the scenery doesn't really change other than, <clears throat> excuse me, the one, the one shot of sun leaving the casino, which you, if you look, you can actually see the, the old, I think the old Broadway bridge, um, yeah. in oh, Little yeah, Rock. Yeah. So they shot that yeah. in Little Rock. Um, but it's supposed to be like in Mississippi him driving to Tunica or whatever. So, um, but, isn't it, yeah, isn't it yeah. classic that we have an uh, Arkansas character that's trying to like count cards and go to Tunica <laughs> and yeah. win some money? Which Tunica is like, especially in like central, or not Oklahoma, sorry, in central Arkansas. I like, I remember in college, like our friends oh, yeah. would go to Tunica. To Tunica gamble. and Hot Springs, those are the yeah. go-tos. Mm. And uh, if you're from Fort Smith, I mean, a lot of us are going to Choctaw and Fikola. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, so very relatable. That's, that's very much. Like, like I had never heard of Tunica until I got to college and people who were from like Southeast or, or um, central Arkansas were going to Tunica to, to casinos and stuff, which I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't think about that. Especially as someone from Oklahoma where casinos are on every corner, it feels like. So, um, but yeah, it, it is kind of on brand for someone from Arkansas to go to Tunica. Yeah, I found that yeah. I found that really funny because I'm. It's like I'm a running joke, at least in my little circle of friends, is like the only thing to do enforcement is to like drive to go, <laughs> go to the casino. Yeah, that's yeah. 
our our group of friends in high school or like <laughs> the the ones that overlapped at least would often go to uh yeah. to the casino yeah i feel like i could have i've i don't like gambling but i feel like i could win a lot of money at craps that's what they all say <laughs> there you go that's why i don't gamble <laughs> The card counting was introduced into the script because <laughs> Nichols' brother got kicked out of several su- casinos for counting cards <laughs> successfully. Nice. And so nice. He, like, successfully. Oh, successfully. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then they realized like he got caught and then and then he got kicked out. <laughs> and so he was it was like it was that boy being a basketball coach and son or sorry, not son kid having that that pretty i would say foundational um scene with son where he's asking like do you love do you love your wife like i don't i want to ask my girlfriend to marry her but i don't know if i could love her and is like this really tender moment where they're actually like showing their feelings because everyone's so closed off and carded Mm -hmm. the rest of the movie those three things like pretty important elements were all pulled from Nichols experience because at that time he was, he was coaching for money on the side, um, like an AAU team, I think. (laughs) And then he was about to ask his girlfriend to marry him. Um, and then he pulled like the, uh, the card counting from his brother. And I was like, this is just like a really cool blending of these seemingly disparate elements. Uh, but he he i mean that's what they say in screenwriting like write what you know and right. this this is like so authentic it's so mm-hmm. like created genuine. by someone who genuinely understands and knows down to the down to the way people speak a place and how people in that place interact with each other and with their surroundings and stuff so yeah, did, did did Nichols write the the script as well? Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's- he has that. I mean, that's the other thing about him is like he's written and directed everything else. He's done, or the or the other four movies that we're going to cover. Wow. Yeah, that's really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it shows too because, like you said, the the dialogue is is super authentic and it it feels like it's just lifted out from from like our everyday lives almost um, the way these characters talk with each other. Um. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So is really good. The other thing that I wanted to, to talk about with you guys was how violence is depicted. What, what were your thoughts on that? Because I have some, some quotes from, from the director I was going to share. Yeah. I didn't expect like, any kind of violence. Um, I thought the title was going to be like a, like, like a hidden message type thing. I didn't think we were going to actually see like actual violence, but it was, it was used effectively. It's not like relevant, prevalent throughout the movie, but it was used effectively in a way that uh, actually made an impact to you when it happened. Like the one that got me was when uh, that final confrontation with Michael Shannon by the by the tractor and his head gets smashed in i was like Ugh. holy crap um and it's it, and there are moments like that throughout the movie but i was like wow that's all really well done yeah and not glorified or anything like that if anything you kind of see the after effects 
of mm-hmm. violence. I mean, when the the opening to this movie is so good, like the first shot that you see mm-hmm. with the scars on his back, and then you see him pick up the note and look in the dresser, and he's just kind of like the way Shannon's acting that scene of like someone who is like uh, she she's gone again. Like that's like you immediately realize that and also what the heck happened to his back (laughs) and obviously you're like he got shot with a shotgun like but how and that's kind of kind of a mystery the rest of the movie but but then like you you don't see spoilers you don't see kid get stabbed um Mm -hmm. and you see the editing in the scene that you're talking about eric where his head gets like smashed against the tractor Mm -hmm is really good but so quick and right it, like it's just nichols said i'm paraphrasing paraphrasing all the fights i've seen have been really have been not cool they've been awkward they've been <laughs> fast and weird and so i wanted to incorporate that into the movie and because there were going to be aspects of violence um like the car wash is just yeah, like the car a giant wash, yeah. tumble of people. It it looked like a a fight between high school boys you see <laughs> in a hallway. Like that's that's what it felt like. I was yeah. like, okay. Um but I think that we really can't talk about the violence in this film without talking about the sense of pride that mm-hmm. these set up sets of brothers have. And I think that's what I was thinking about as I was watching this film is like there's such a deep rooted sense of pride within I, th- I i think we could argue for lots of people from different places but especially within people from small towns like that's kind of all they have right like mm-hmm. um they, ha- they have their name they have what belongings they own and that's kind of it and and they gotta somehow survive in this small town and so with both sets of Hayes brothers there's a sense of pride you know with michael shannon and his brothers with with son and his brothers it's we are fine without our father like we don't need him we are doing just fine without him and with the other sets of with the other set of the hayes brothers it's well we got we got dad and this is the kind of man he raised us to be um and it's interesting because the whole time I'm thinking they're they're all brothers. Like really, like I mean, they're half brothers, yeah, but they're all brothers. But man, they're fighting like they are, you know, just sworn enemies. And and I think that shows you really how how terrible pride can actually be. And it causes you to fight people who are literally your blood. Um, but yeah, that's, those are my thoughts on, on the violence. I mean, it's, uh, I think you guys make good points of like, it's really quick. There's when it is shown, it is kind of shocking. Like when son hit his head, um, or it's kind of awkward and weird, kind of like Nichols said in the commentary of how that's just kind of how fights are. Like, I, I feel like there are no actual cool fights. Like, like getting into fights is not cool. You're not awesome. I mean, they're at a car wash. Like, if you yeah, see, yeah, like, they're at a car, car wash. wash. He's washing his van because it's dirty. 
because it, it says, says suck, suck it, it. yeah <laughs> and it's like why and then they can't they two of them two of the hayes brothers confront son at the grocery store and it's like what are you gonna do at the grocery store what what are you gonna do fight him he, again yeah. what about them killing his dog that was that's that messed, messed up. up that was yeah. so messed up well, and you see, like, that was, I think that was Mark Hayes um, doing, Cleman, the other brother. Yeah. Is the one, you see this, you see this interesting, um, th- well, the boy, like, he's, he backs away from that fight at the car wash, and kid gets onto him and starts yelling later. Um, but boy is like, I don't want and I think this is dumb or maybe he's afraid, yeah. but he like, you can tell that like, he doesn't want to fight. Like he doesn't have that right. pride that drives him toward it. And then after that fight, uh, claim, I guess it's Clayman Hayes. Clayman's like, I don't want this anymore. Whenever he pulls up and he's talking to, um, son, Michael Shannon's character, he says, I told my, I told my guys, like, I don't want this to keep going. And son's like, y'all started this, like we'll finish it if we have to. And so, so son isn't diplomatic at all in that sense, but Clayman's like, all right, I tried, but I don't really know how to be. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of, how don't know how to break away from this ingrained sort of, yeah. Familial pride mm-hmm. that has been, imagine that being part of your life. Like you're, I, I can't. I can't imagine being that being part of your life, part of your identity. Right. I mean, because son, boy, and kid are kind of like they almost in a way they have a scarlet A on them. Like mm-hmm. they're like every and you know in the small town everyone knows. Everyone knows exactly what happened and for whatever reason why their father left their mother for the other Hayes brother's mom. It doesn't matter. Um, but you know, everyone in the small town knows everyone knows everyone else's business in small, small towns like this. Yeah. Um, and I, I, like, I was thinking about that too. Like when it shows Annie son's wife, mm-hmm. when it shows her mom's house, I was just thinking that's, that's a nice house for a small yeah. town. And you know her mom is like talking in her ear about you need to leave him. He's mm. not ever going to be good enough. Um, just because you like, I'm just thinking there's probably this socioeconomic division, and, and it's really apparent in small towns like that. Um, and like I think Isaac, you said the other Hayes brothers, they like they they aren't necessarily super well off. But their their clothes are a little bit nicer. They have newer cars. Um, they seem to be, at least on the outside, a little more put together than son, boy, and kid. Who also let's talk about their names. Yeah, pretty amazing. I have no, yeah, I have no idea. Like son, boy, and kid. Could you like just even even with the names? Could you not tell your kids? how little you cared about them more than in the way you made them. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's what I was assuming that the, the mom was the one, the one who named them or maybe that, I don't know, maybe the dad, 
who knows like all that all that unspoken mm-hmm. tension between uh son and the and the mom um is so powerful because of how it's like she is kind of and and the dad too is in a certain extent but you never see him on scene but the mom is kind of this almost the spectral presence over like this looming looming over everything that's happened between between the families and now the effects that it's taking on the sons and how she just doesn't say anything later on in the movie whenever he drives up and he's like i forget what he says but he's like this is what it's come to like mm-hmm. is this what you wanted and she just doesn't say anything nichols said that that w- that idea of a mother who is not nurturing not loving compelled him but he you can it's so nuanced and it's not overdone and there's so many movies mm-hmm. where you're just like all right, whatever. But like the right. way that the way that um, Natalie Canerfield, I think that's her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that she plays it is just really, really good. In the way that she and Shannon bounce off each other. Yeah, like- I, I think what you were saying, Isaac, about how like it's kind of overdone in a lot of other movies. Like I think about. I don't even have a specific movie in mind, but like there's always the, the like bitter mom who is always got a cigarette in her hand and um, her hair is always looking like a mess and is not like put together in the way she's dressed or anything like that. And is always like, Oh, well you're just blaming me for all your problems and all this. And it really seems like their mom just kind of is like, like doesn't even care enough to be like, this is y'all's fault or anything like that. But yeah, son confronts her and says, you raised us to hate these, those boys. And this is what it's come to. That's, that's what it was. You, you Uh, raised us to hate them. And I think so often that, that a lot of the ways in which we view other people, um, even relatives is shaped on the ways our parents raise us and talk about other people. And, uh you know they they often are like why are you like this and it's like well this is how you've always talked about so and so and it it shapes our you know our our beliefs the ways we inter- interact with the other people and i think that's that's exactly what happens with with son kid and boy and i don't know what y'all think about like other other aspects of the community and family uh dynamics in this movie but Nichols said that he intentionally wrote boy to be the last one standing or standing quote unquote kid kid is killed um, mm-hmm. in our altercation with Mark Hayes, I believe. Um, and then uh, son ends up in the hospital from the tractor, the tractor scene. That's pretty brutal. And so boy is forced to make his own decision without either brother talking to him and you would kind of you could kind of tell like he would just go along with whatever mm-hmm. son would do and he would also be intimidated by a kid's fury mm-hmm. um and his anger toward him and then he he ultimately is the one who makes peace and he almost yeah i thought he was gonna shoot i thought he was, I thought, oh yeah I like you think that at first for sure i was like he's yeah he, he had two two paths to go down and he he almost uh 
took that that violent path, but um, he had he, he then he came back in that final confrontation, and I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna end up dying right there too when he's on the other yeah. end of the barrel. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I was like, that that the the young Hayes brother, like man, that dude's got to cool his jets, man, because I thought he was gonna pull the trigger on. Yeah, that I did too. I forget. I should have written down the name of that actor, but Nichols said that he he wanted he wanted to cast someone taller to be able to intimidate Michael Shannon because Michael Shannon's like six three, I think, or something. Um, but when he cast that dude, he was like, This dude is kind of scary when he gets angry. <laughs> um but yeah, and and that's that's another thing I just really love about this movie is that it's it's hopeful and obviously he wrote that intentionally there's no version of this movie that it it ends in a tragedy with like boy being the last one standing having killed everyone else because that would have been worse for everyone else at in the end Mm -hmm. um but it it is it's telling that boy is the one that makes peace but he's not the leader he's not the one that everyone's looking up to um and he's ultimately like the hero at the end. Yep, well said. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to put that. Um and and that's a really tough position to be in because it if you have such a deep-rooted sense of pride where these guys have killed your brother, landed your other brother in the hospital and now it's just you and you didn't want anything to do this anything to do with this in the first place do you kind of shut up and leave it be or do you you know go after them because they went after yours and boy has to make that really tough decision um because i think it's easy for us to kind of sit here on the outside and be like well the right thing to do is this but that's not who's to say really what the right thing to do is um and i think he's he's kind of lost it because he really only has his brothers like he doesn't have a girlfriend and he's lost his dog and so all he has are his brothers and now he's down one he doesn't know what's going to happen with the other one and so i think what brings him back to reality is when uh is it mark his mark hayes's sons come mm-hmm. into to play and he's like oh oh he like realizes kind of the weight and the gravity of of what what he could possibly end up be like doing if he were to pull the trigger yeah that was a pretty pretty harrowing scene the last scene where the three of them are pointing the shotguns at boy was was really really fantastic but Apparently, when they were filming it, they had run out of film. And Nichols, they had done several takes, but Nichols said to, uh, what is, what's his name? Michael Abbott, the guy who plays Clayman. Um, yeah, he plays Clayman Hayes. He told him, you have to do this in one take. And they, uh, and they filmed it. And it's just really, really electric. But a couple other a couple other things I was gonna say just in order to highlight how well written this movie is. How about the van radio? Ah, uh, 
it's yeah. hilarious, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I've never seen that in any other movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was a good running gag. Yeah. Like well, and it's funny too, because that in the tent, like the tent's the next big kind of scene where son walks outside and he like calls out and kid like unzips the tent and like sticks his head out. Like, why is he sleeping in the yard in a tent? And it's kind of this funny, you d- again, you don't know why he's in the tent. Mm. Both that and the car radio are hilarious in the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. In the second half of the movie, they're like heartbreaking because right. of kids death. And that yeah. kind of mirror image is very, very skillful. And I didn't notice it until the second time I watched it. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. It is. It's funny. Cause it's like, like you said, why is he sleeping in a tent? And, and it's like, well, just get your radio fixed. Like, I don't understand why it's that big of a deal. And then later it's like, oh, kid. Kid. Because he's just driving at night after mm-hmm. kid has been killed. And then the radio just comes on. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's yep. really, really yeah. rough. But um, the, <laughs> he also, Nichols said in the margarita scene, they did they did like five or six takes of that, but he said that Doug Ligon uh, drank every single margarita. Like, <laughs> and I love like if you watch that scene, he like the ice only blends like halfway, and then he just like yeah. decide he's like, oh shoot, I'm just gonna drink it. So I'm take it on the rocks does. today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, uh, how, we're about out of time, aren't we? Getting close to it. We're getting close. We're coming up. Coming up on time. Um, All right. Yeah. What are y'all's well, What are y'all's final thoughts about the movie before we wrap up? I really enjoyed this movie much more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like I've said, I feel like it does a really good job of depicting small town and small town existence. Um, like I said, I don't think small towns mean simple existence existences. I think it. it only complicates things in certain ways and so i feel like it does a really good job of uh jeff nichols does a really good job of of writing what he knows and and depicting how difficult things are and how difficult relationships and families are yeah yeah i agree um i enjoyed it a lot i would say he's one for one so far let's see if he can keep it up (laughs) um i enjoyed the setting of the movie and i really love how the movie explored the themes of family and revenge and, and how all that intertwined uh, together yeah. with all the characters. So. Yeah. I also want to point out that uh, Nichols wrote shampoo as the antagonist. And if you think about it, every time he shows up, some, some, some stirs happens. the pot, he either, he either stirs the pot or like puts some, a bug in someone's ear or literally assembles a shotgun for, yeah. for mayhem to be to be uh, enacted. So, and that was one, another one of those things. I was like, this weird character mm-hmm. is just supposed to be comedic relief, and I was like, oh no, he's like actually doing some bad stuff. So, he's yep. playing devil's advocate for sure. Yep, yep. And I do like that this movie ends on a hopeful note because I feel like Jeff Nichols is a hopeful person like like you see that you see that in mud with like the ending of mud the ending of take shelter take which i'm so excited to talk about take shelter next time 
Um, and yeah, he, he just has this sunny outlook that's kind of understated by like, he doesn't deny or sugarcoat any harsh realities of the world, but Mm -hmm. he is an optimistic, optimistic person and he's not a flashy director, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just excited to continue talking about his movies with you guys. Yeah. I'm excited to take shelter as our next one. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So in two weeks, we'll be talking about take shelter. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. This has been, this has been really great. This is, I really enjoyed talking about shotgun stories with y'all. It's definitely the lowest budget movie we've ever covered. <laughs> it, um, yes. Or, or even referenced, I think. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. The, I was going to say like one more thing. Oh yeah. I was just going to mention real quick. Um, yeah, I could I could not let this episode end without sharing this, but <laughs> Nichols went to film school in North Carolina, and his professor had seen Sh- Michael Shannon's um, Sunday and Slabs uh, test, like just screen footage of him just acting, and he wrote Shotgun Stories with Shannon in mind, got his number from his professor, and said, "Hey, I want." I wrote a screenplay for you. You don't know me, but I want you to be in this movie. And, he, and Shannon loved the screenplay and that's how he got on board. Well, he, they, they were, they budgeted a hundred dollars a week for Shannon. I think they shot for like eight weeks or something. And so when shit, when uh, Nichols took Shannon to the airport, he was like, here's your pay. And he was like, it was a hundred bucks a, a week. And, and obviously Shannon knew that. And he just goes, you can keep it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, I just love that story because Shannon was up and coming at the time. Um, yeah. And Nichols was like just starting out. Um, and it's just cool because they're like working together on everything now. So, yeah, very cool. Anywho. All right. This has been Shotgun Stories and Flyover Film Country. I'm Olivia Clement, signing off from Oklahoma. (laughs) I'm Isaac Sims, signing off from Conway, Arkansas. And I'm Eric Bears, signing off from Fort Smith. Go Bears. Go Bears and... Go Jeff Nichols. Go Jeff Nichols.